Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is the best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day, and we're only spending a short time together tonight. Got to get ready for that big Miami-NC State basketball game pregame at 6.30 from North Carolina. So at about 6.03, going to hear from the Joe Rose Show talking to Ira Winderman, getting you ready for tonight's Heat-Spurs game. The Heat have to win because they're playing at home and they always win at home. Plus, I'm going to be in attendance, so need that. Also, Dan Levitard's show, going to be finding out about Bob Costas' employment status. But right now, let's do some headlines. Eric Spolstra says Dion Waiters has been away from the team due to illness, so no Waiters this evening when the Heat battle the Spurs. The Canes look to improve to 3-3 three and three in ACC play tonight. When they take on NC State, pregame starts here, as mentioned, at 6.30. The Panthers are home tomorrow against the Kings. Puck drops at 7. Carolina linebacker Luke Keekley has announced his retirement, while Arizona receiver Larry Fitzgerald says he will return for a 17th season. Former commissioner Paul Tagliabue has been picked to enter the NFL Hall of Fame. Elected former players will be announced here in Miami the day before the Super Bowl, February 1st. It's Conference Championship Sunday with the Titans and the Chiefs doing battle at 3, then the Packers and 49ers duel at 6.40. Former Louisville and Arkansas coach Bobby Petrino will coach Missouri State next season. Marlins prospect Jazz Chisholm had his first workout with the team yesterday. The 21-year-old from the Bahamas is expected to play shortstop at some point this upcoming season. And now we take a step into the day spa. (sighs) A Kansas man is asking for his trial to be moved from the courts and moved to a sword fight between he, his ex-wife, and her lawyer. Settling it with a sword fight. Now that's old school. I mean, medieval old school. The new Subaru Forester's official name is the Forester Ultimate Customized Kit Special. Okay, spell it out for me because I can't on the radio. Forester, that's an F. Ultimate, that's a U. Then Customized Kit Special. Two words. None given. A man in Mexico was recently hospitalized for having a three-day erection. Apparently, this Casanova took Viagra for bulls because he wanted to impress a 30-year-old lady. Boner. I mean, bummer. Now on the weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Today's forecast going to be mostly clear throughout the night with temperatures in the mid-70s. For the best poker promotions in South Florida, visit Hylia Park Poker Room. Come win your share of $350,000 in monthly high-hand giveaways. That's more than $10,000 a day in high hands. Why play anywhere else? Visit Hylia Park for more details. All right, getting you ready for the heat game tonight. Ira Winderman talked with the Joe Rose Show this morning. Ira, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good, gentlemen. Um, I, I cannot personally get a player into the Hall of Fame, but uh, I, I do what I can on my part. One day I want to be Armando Saguero when I grow up. 
Maybe. There's there's a couple of old writers right there, man. That, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> veterans. Veteran writers. Right there. No, I was going to say, just to follow up, listen to you and Zach on the previous segment, I think one of the interesting things is you talking about can the Dolphins follow the Heat and sort of what they've done in their program. What's really interesting today is when the Heat signed Kyle Alexander to a two-way contract, Joe, it'll make seven guys on this roster who are undrafted. And what it shows, I think, is sort of to complement what you were talking about, the Dolphins having to get it right with all the draft choices is this. Part B of that is player development. Yep. And that's one thing I think that gets lost with the Heat when you were talking about Pat Riley on your previous segment is that it doesn't just stop for the Heat at the draft. It continues onward so they make the most of those players also. And that's what I'm really curious about with the Dolphins. And, and as Armando spoke about also, their ever-changing drafts, their ever-changing coaching staff is you can identify and target all the players you want in the world, but are you going to maximize those players? I think that's sort of the contrast between the Heat and some other teams in this town is that the Heat have sort of taken clay and really molded it into quality professional talent. That's what I think I'm curious about what the Dolphins do. They can go through all the metrics and all the combines and all the interviews, but it's also once you get those players there, what do you make out of them? I think that's where the Heat really have been ahead of the curve. Ira, of all the surprises in the NBA, and of course the Miami Heat overall has been one of the biggest surprises, this great start they've had. They've only lost one game at home. You're talking yeah. halfway through the season. Forget they lost back-to-back games for the first time almost at the halfway mark. I think that one loss at home and what they built for this home is unbelievable. Well, and you know what's more incredible? Is they lost one game at home and it was tainted. That was a loss to the Lakers. As soon as they lost that game by three points, at the end of the uh, the next day, the NBA comes out, says there was an illegal screen by Anthony Davis, scoring Dragic should have gone to the line, and Jimmy Butler's potential game-tying three-pointer, there was a foul on that. He should have gone to the line for three free throws. So not only have they only lost one game at home, but that's one game that even the league said didn't end the way it was supposed to from an, an official standpoint. So you sort of throw that in there. It's more incredible. And it's interesting, Joe, because players will always tell you this in the NBA, and I think a lot of sports. Win your games at home and go 500 on the road, and obviously you're going to have a terrific season. Well, the Heat have won their games at home. They've gone 500 on the road. But here's what's changed. Eric Spolstra has raised the bar that good isn't good enough anymore. That now that he realizes how good his team can be, this 500 road record doesn't cut it with him anymore. So I think it's interesting to see how this team has evolved also during the season to what the expectations might have been. Hey, maybe we'll get top four maybe win a playoff round to something a little more that he's no longer talking well we got a great home record it doesn't matter on the road no he's starting to ask for a lot more from his players and teams team overall it's got to itch eric and pat and everyone upstairs that you lost those two games to brooklyn new york on the road you've also lost to orlando mm-hmm. washington and memphis on the road also those are bad road losses i know that you're not going to win them all on the road i understand that but those are some bad losses right there to those five teams yeah you know it's interesting zach some of those losses you look back in retrospect like memphis that started this great run for them where they're now a legitimate playoff contender. So maybe that wasn't as bad as you thought. Then you lost to Washington, and they came on, and they really got on a nice roll also. Maybe that wasn't as bad as you thought. Same thing with the Wizards. The difference this week, or the Magic, rather, the difference this weekend was this. You had significant leads late in games. You were up late against the Nets, uh, eight against the Nets late. You were up seven late against the Knicks. Those are the kind of games that if you are who you think you are, you win those games, you put them away. So 
that that's what this team is looking at because you know what guys those are the playoff moments those are the moments of truth can you protect the lead can you be a closer are all the young players like i just mentioned up to those kind of moments i think that's where the concern is and i think that's why joe when you were talking about in fact bringing in another whale another leading man i think the heat might be that one player away from being able to take sort of that next step as well ira what are the i, I keep i always hear this uh they they've still got some defensive issues to work on without getting too technical what are they talking about mostly when you hear that they're talking mostly about team defense for this reason joe when you look at this roster and who they're throwing out there the heat have a ton of minus defenders almost every game starts with the opposing team trying to isolate someone on duncan robinson because of his defensive shortcomings and trying to score you watch almost every game that's how they go as soon as tyler hero comes in the game boom isolate him on the wing try to go at him you could also look at myers leonard and goran Rockage and and some other players on this team who individually are minus defenders. They're simply not as good as the guy trying to score against them. So it has to be the old five men on a string. It has to be everyone working in lockstep, just like in football in zone defense. If the safety's not in the right place, the cornerback's going to look really bad. That's what's happening to the Heat. So if you watch the Heat during their defensive struggle, there are so many times one guy will turn to someone else and go, what the heck? They won't say heck, but they'll say something like that because they realize you've got to have each other's back. That's what Eric's trying to get them back to. Five men on a string all playing together. If any one part of that falls off, it all falls off. It reached the point we saw in December. They went to zone defense for an extended period as try to get away from that. But that's the thing. When you try to play defense with minus defenders, you better be really good in your team concept. And that's not what the Heat are right now. Justice Winslow, I know you got sent home from the trip, seeing a specialist. What's going to end up happening with him, do you think? I'm expecting sometime today, and I might be wrong, but the people I spoke to is that there'll be some sort of heat release saying Justice Winslow will be out indefinitely as he works through a series of specialists to address his back problem. And anyone who's had back problems known, and I know all three of us have dealt with this, sometimes you wake up in the morning, you have a back issue, and it's gone by the end of the day. Sometimes you wake up in the morning with a back issue, and it's there to Two months later. It's a tough thing to, to deal with. I think just as a young player is learning that, and I think he's going to see, he's already saw a specialist. I think he's going to continue working. I don't know if it's a chiropractor or whatever. Also, folks, please do not email. I cannot pass along your name to the team. I get a lot of that in these situations. <laughs> Always get a lot of that. But I think it's going to be a case where he's going to have to sort of work through it probably for a longer period than we thought. Guys, is crazy. Mid-season for this team will be their Friday game in Oklahoma City. And Justice Winslow has only appeared in 11 games this season. It all sort of dovetails with your question about the team defense. You bring him back, he can defend four positions. He's the guy who can answer a lot of the holes in this defense, and he's not there. He's just dealing with this sort of, I don't want to say incurable issue, but just one that he hasn't found the right answer for. I think he's going to be out for a little bit of time in addition to the time he's already missed the 17 games with the pass. I wanted to ask you this one, too, before we let you run here. So Olenek is now the latest guy to not be able to find the yeah. court. I always wonder how those guys who have played and been part of it, and the team's playing great, so it's hard to bitch no matter who you are when you're 27 and 12 and 17 and 1 at home. 
How's he doing when you talk to him? I always wonder. You know what? I grabbed him on the court of the garden before in the locker room. I hate to ask guys who aren't playing about it in front of their other teammates because you might get an answer that might be awkward. And Kelly was awesome about it. He goes, look, every year I go through this. There's a period when I'm out of it and I get to come back. He goes, but I can't complain because we're winning. I can't say I should play ahead of someone else with the record we have. He was great about it. He was like, yeah, I want to play. I'm good enough to play, but I can't say something now. It's the wrong time. Then we spoke to James Johnson yesterday. He gave a great answer. He says, when I was on the bench not playing at all for those 18 games, I wasn't just rooting as a look-at-me kind of guy. I was honestly pulling for my brothers to be successful. So you have him also. Then I grabbed Derek Spolster on the side yesterday, because again, I don't like to ask certain questions in the group. And I asked him, why wasn't Dion in the bench on the bench in New York? I don't know if you noticed that, Joe, or not, but he wasn't. And Eric told me that Dion was sick. And then I checked with the PR staff and I said, I didn't see Dion on the injury report on Sunday's game is out with illness. Was he really sick? And basically the answer was, well, he wasn't sick enough that we had to delineate and sort of mention that. Then I asked Eric Spolster, I haven't seen Dion on the pregame shooting layup line at all here since he's come back. And Eric told me, well, in most home games, Dion does drill work on the private practice court upstairs. Joe, that's the difference. There are guys who they aren't playing, but they're trying to work their way back and understand the team concept and to be part of that. That's what Kelly Olenek has been. That's what James Johnson has been. This Dion Waiters thing, you can talk all you want. I heard you in the previous segment about that JJ and Dion went to Pat Riley and he offered them assurances and all that. Some guys just don't get it. And I think that's the difference. So when you ask me how Kelly is handling it, he's handling it like a man. When you ask me how J.J. and James Johnson is handling it, he's handling it like a professional. When and we, then we, when have we ask you about Dion Waiters, what, what is it there? What about Dion Waiters? Come on, answer. I, I think Dion Waiters is the kind of guy that is less going good, goes into this funk, and, and I don't want to say checks out, but I think mentally checks out. You know what, guys? This isn't a good look. I should not have to watch pregame warm-ups and count from 1 to 13 active players to see who's out there, which I will do again tonight before the Spurs game. I shouldn't have to look at the bench during the game and count heads in uniform and go 1 through 13 to reach the total and wonder when I hit 12. So for all that meeting might have done with Pat Riley, I don't think it produced optimal results at all. And it just shows you that even the great Pat Riley, who can seemingly get through and motivate anyone, obviously there are limitations in this situation as well. Big Daddy's trying. Big Daddy's (laughs) up there trying, man. That's all he can do. That's it. He's trying. And that's and, and that's and that's why I show up at Intercom every morning and count to at least three and make sure that Hollywood, Zach, and Joe were there. Because that's what I do. I, I count people, make sure everyone's present. I'm basically the official attendance taker of the heat. Don't forget Biff. Biff's going to be upset. There's four. The Biff, Biff, All right, Biff. so four. I'll make check sure for the big four. four. That's right. Ira, thank you for your time. Thanks, Ira. Always. I'll go count players. Thank you, guys. See ya. Stoked to finish up here and in a few minutes race down to American Airlines Arena and catch that heat versus Spurs game. Speaking of basketball, let's quick get into the Dan Lebetard interview with the great Bob Costas, finding out about his employment and other things. Now, Bob can talk, so I'm going to have to cut him, cut him off towards the end because we knew need to get to that Miami-North Carolina State basketball game. Pre-game will be at 6.30, but here is Dan Lebetard and the guys talking to Bob Costas. And I ask this question uh, with all due respect. Are you retired? Like, are you close to retired? Because you, you left football, and I know you have creative projects that you're interested in, but I don't know what you're doing these days. No, I'm not retired. But before I answer that, given the current atmosphere, did Gerard go on use his smartphone to watch Slapshot? 
during a Golden Knights game? Is that use of technology why he was dismissed? Mike, here it is. You're opening. Oh, Mr. Casas, they're only three points out in the division. Who does this move? And now Peter DeBoer finds himself in the catbird seat of coaching the All-Stars when he just got fired. It's a it's a dramatic change of events. It's almost too wacky to comprehend. So you're not retired. So, no, as a matter of fact, I was on the MLB network for three hours day before yesterday when uh, the story broke first about the Astros and now uh, with Cora and the Red Sox. And uh, I do basically a game a week uh, each week on MLBN during the uh, baseball season. And maybe in the upcoming year, I'll do uh, some things like some non-play-by-play things like what I used to do at earlier stages of my career, but nothing to announce just yet. It's a transition thing. I'm doing less than I did before, and obviously Sunday Night Football on the Olympics were the two most visible things uh, you can do in sports television, but I did a dozen Olympics, and I don't know how many Super Bowls and Sunday nights and Sunday afternoons I did between the 80s and and at this point, so it just felt to me like that was enough. That was enough of all that, and I look back on it with uh, a whole lot of fondness and appreciation, but uh, I'm really glad I did it, and now I'm kind of glad I'm not doing it anymore. Doesn't even seem close to retirement. I mean, Nailed that it one, seems Dan like Owen. basically yeah. I just haven't been watching baseball is my problem. So, Yeah, yeah. What, what's up with you? Some of those games were playoff games. Well, now that you brought it up, I did hear while I was in Japan that in one of those playoff games, and I say this with all due respect as well. Because, oh, no. Well, because, because what happened was, and this must happen with the changing evolution of baseball, uh, he evidently, Bob, described something as off the fists and and it went out of the park at a million miles an hour and was, yeah, I was a, upset with myself. And and so I was just wondering, because I'm not used to you making mistakes like that, where you've been most upset with yourself because something happened during a broadcast. Well, that was one of them, actually. Um, it was the first inning of Twins-Yankees, the first game of the playoffs, first game of their best of five series, which the Yankees swept. And we'd set the stage for how these were the two uh, top homer hitting teams in a distorted home run season in baseball for a variety of reasons, the juice ball obviously being one of them. Uh, No reason to believe it was intentionally juiced, but everybody uh, in baseball acknowledges that there was something different and routine fly balls were going out of the ballpark. So that was part of the story, the Twins and Yankees being 1-2. And James Paxton was pitching for the Yankees, and he had allowed more first-inning home runs than any pitcher in baseball. So that was a storyline, too. And John Smoltz and I had laid it all out, and everything was going swimmingly. And uh, Rosario, I believe, was the second hitter, and he hits the ball solidly. It's a line drive. I just miscalled it with the naked eye. I wasn't watching on the monitor, as you sometimes do. I was watching from a distance uh, at the mezzanine level in the press box. And with the naked eye, it looked to me like he hit it off his fists. John Carlos Stanton turned around, and the ball disappeared into the fifth or sixth row of uh, the left field stands. And what do you do in a situation like that? You don't try to, some guys, I guess I try to fudge out. I just said, hey, with the naked eye, I had that entirely wrong. He hit it right on the nose, and it left the ballpark, and nothing came about it. Same thing happened when I called the game. I, I feel you, Bob. Um, listen to me. I have now <laughs> insulted our guest off the bat. It's I mean, interviewing I'm 101. Hand, I'm handing this account off to Mike Ryan. I mean, Dan, <laughs> seven minutes, and you've asked him, are you retired, and you relived like his one of his most painful mistakes. Bob, is this the last time we're going to have you on? I mean, you know, I, I, I started out only mildly annoyed, and, and now I'm, I'm really ticked off. Um, well, then you know make- what? They, there's something cathartic about facing your 
mistake. I mean, I curse to myself. This is one of these situations, uh, actually. You're doing the game, right? Under my breath, in between pitches, I'm ripping myself profanely. How can you be so stupid? How can you be so effing terrible? What the F is wrong with you? Muttering this to myself, curveball outside, two and one. So, so, So now I might as well just get it off my chest publicly, and now I have, which doesn't make me hate you any less, but I just acknowledge that there is some benefit. Do, uh, so can correct this publicly if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. did, did you retire from the oh, great geez. gig of football because of something like we're witnessing now with, uh, with Luke Keekley? Because I thought it was a more graceful way to do it. Cosell made it very look at me when Cosell retired from boxing because, you know, somebody's face was hamburger meat and he just made yeah. a real ethical stand. I felt like with football, you just made an ethical stand with a portion of your career and the most visible platform there is in the sport. Now, I, I don't think it's quite that heroic. The simple facts of this, which got lost in the shuffle, because in this world, once something is out there, even if it's put out there in a perfectly factual manner, a lot of people just take off with it, whether it's online or talk shows or whatever it may be. And different versions of it, just based on people's assumptions, often predicated on an incorrect understanding of the chronology, different versions of it get out there. And in this world, how are you going to set the record straight? It'd be like swatting at locusts. You correct one thing, and then there's another thing over here. So here's what really happened. In 2012, right after Dick Ebersol, uh, with whom I had a very close personal connection, wasn't just a a business thing. He and I had had been so close for so long. There were things that I would do if Dick Ebersol asked me to do it that I might not with someone else. So my own enthusiasm for football was not as great as it had been for baseball and for the NBA and for the Olympics throughout the course of my career. But I recognized its importance to NBC. So when they reacquired it and Dick wanted me to do it, I did. Okay, so now Dick resigns in 2011 and Comcast comes in. And at that point, I'm thinking maybe this is the time to step aside from football. But the people from Comcast are overwhelmingly appreciative in their understanding of, as they saw it, what I meant to NBC Sports. And they want to immediately, I'm talking about like within days of this taking over of of NBC, they want to sign me to a long-term deal. And I say, okay, I'll do this and I'll do three more Olympics. I'll do London, Sochi, I wouldn't have said yes to Sochi if I knew that Putin was going to give me pink eye, but I did it. How, how could I know? Uh, and then 2016 in, in Rio. And I'll do football. I'll do Sunday night football through the 2016 season, and then I'll step aside. So that was planned. In 2012, it was in the contract. And then I was going to assume an emeritus role, much like what Tom Brokaw has in news. That was going to be my role in sports. And I thought I was perfectly suited to that. And I thought that was a perfect plan. In 2015, I told them I had the right to continue if I wanted to. But in 2015, I told them, nope, I'm going to stick with the plan as we decided back in 2012. And then they very wisely went out and hired Mike Tirico, who not only is excellent, he's versatile. So he can do some of what I did. And eventually, whatever the greatest of the great, Al Michaels steps aside, then Mike would be the heir apparent to do play-by-play of Sunday Night Football. So that was very smart on NBC's part. So all this was going according to plan, and I was anxious to step aside from football. I recognize, you know, forgive me for going on this way, but you asked the question, and now you're getting the full story, which nobody else has, to whatever extent anybody cares about this, what with the Gallant story having broken, you know, but nonetheless, (laughs) nonetheless, where was I? Okay, so I'm starting to feel less and less 
comfortable doing football for the for the Keekley reasons and and other reasons. And I did speak out about it dozens of times, uh, often on NBC in halftime essays or in questions put to Roger Goodell or put to players and coaches and on Meet the Press and Talking Head and documentaries and various programs. So it wasn't like I was keeping these feelings under wraps. I, I dealt with it in a pretty straightforward fashion. And I always appreciated the athletic skill, the sacrifice, the dedication. A lot of the best people I met in sports over the years were involved in football in one way or another. And I appreciate the fact that there's drama and excitement and shared experience and all that. I wasn't so much antagonistic toward football itself as I was uncomfortable with the ambivalence that I felt about it. And I just felt that I was a square peg in a round hole. I just wasn't as organically connected to that. And I'd done a dozen Olympics and that was enough. I enjoyed it. and I know I was associated with it, but that was enough. And I wasn't as connected to football as I had been to some of the other assignments I had. So I did want to step aside after 2016. And then something got sideways uh, during the emeritus clause in 2017 and 2018. Um, NBC became increasingly uncomfortable with my willingness to talk about that and other issues, I guess. And then we just mutually said, you know what? We've been friends a long time. This has been a great relationship. If it's All right, all right, Mr. Costas. We understand. We get your point. Likes to talk. Hey, we get paid to do that sometimes in this business. My man Joe Z is out at NC State for the Miami-NC State game, five minutes away from the pregame. This is the Best of the Joe Show. Thanks for listening. Later, slug. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.